All right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, really interesting that the Liberals now have announced their candidate in that by-election that is looming in South Surrey. And we've talked about this by-election in the past, how the NDP... Uh, licking their chops there, mm-hmm. thinking maybe they can steal that one from the Liberals there. But a really interesting candidate choice from the Liberals, Eleanor Sturko, the mm-hmm. the RCMP officer in Surrey, now on leave from the RCMP, the former spokesperson for yeah. the RCMP there. Got a bit of profile. Good candidate. Of yeah. Good oh, candidate. Yeah. Good choice by the BC Liberals. Uh, but you're right. The, the demographics are, are changing in this riding and in the nearby uh, White Rock riding. So for the longest time, South Surrey and White Rock were considered to be very safe, uh, very safe liberal territory. But in the 2020 election, there was a significant shift. The NDP vote went up by more than 3,000. The liberal vote went down by more than 500. Stephanie Canoe won with 51% in 2017, and that slipped four points. Yeah. Uh, the NDP vote went up significantly. And it's reflective of uh, the changing demographics, younger people moving in, uh, more likely to be NDP voters. Uh, in places like South Surrey, White Rock, Langley, uh, Chilliwack, Abbotsford, where the NDP was picking up ground for the first time and picking up seats for the first time. So this is going to be a far more competitive by-election than Vancouver Quilchena, which was a walk in the park for Kevin Falcon. I mean, that's that's one of the yeah. safest writings in all of BC for the Liberals. But this is a different uh, situation. It'll be interesting who the NDP picks as a yes. candidate. Yes. Well, I think it's not surprising the Liberals out of the gates first here. I think they realize they're vulnerable in this seat, and they wanted a good candidate and hit the ground running here. Here's a listen to Eleanor Sturko. She's a familiar voice as a spokesperson for the NDP, and here she is talking about the RCMP in Surrey. My name is Eleanor Sturko, and I'm a sergeant in the Surrey RCMP Diversity and Indigenous Policing Unit. The RCMP is a wonderful police force for Surrey. We've been here for 70 years, and during that time, it's been a hub of innovation. We've had an opportunity here to collaborate with the community as it's grown. I find it interesting that she had been a real defender of the RCMP remaining in Surrey, mm-hmm. and that is a hot political issue in Surrey, to yeah, say the uh, least. Yeah, who knows whether that, that issue will emerge on the by-election yeah. campaign. I'm not sure the NDP candidate necessarily want to wade into that mess. Yeah, uh, But that yeah, that's another wrinkle to what I think is going to be a fascinating uh, by-election race. We, again, the by-election has not been called. John no. Horgan has six months to call a by-election. He's going to wait until the NDP can find a suitable candidate. Um and I think it's someone who has to reflect the diversity of the riding. Yeah. And, and it's going to be interesting. Like, again, far more competitive than Vancouver, Quichetta. And the stakes are higher here for the BC Liberals because this is a seat they have. Yes. If they lose this seat, that is very problematic because it shows the NDP vote has now swung in a direction that was considered off limits for so long. And if the NDP suddenly is competitive and winnable in South Surrey, White Rock, uh, which they almost won in 2020, Langley, Chilliwack, and Abbotsford, those places out in the Eastern Valley, that is problematic for the BC Liberals. I think both parties pull out all the stops here yeah. on, on and this And the Greens are an sure. afterthought. You know, the yeah. Green vote went down as well in 2020. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be a factor at all this time. It's really a two-horse race. All right, Eleanor Sturko, the Liberal candidate, was on the Simi Sarah show this morning, and it's interesting that like, crime is such a hot topic right now. And this afternoon, we have a news conference coming up with Attorney General David Eby on the subject of chronic offenders, these repeat offenders who Mm -hmm. offend over and over and over again and continue to be released into the public. A lot of pressure on government on that. And Eleanor Sturko mentioned that this morning Mm -hmm. in her conversation with Simi. Here's what she had to say. 
David Eby and Mike Farnsworth's announcement on looking at prolific offenders. It continues to be a piecemeal approach to what I see as a fundamental problem in BC, and that really is stemming from our tremendous problem with untreated mental health issues and addictions. It has a direct nexus and impact on municipalities, and it's time to make a change. Your thoughts? Oh, she's right. I mean, mental health does have a huge impact on, on the current situation. There's absolutely no question. No one disagrees with that. It'll be interesting. Today's announcement from uh, Attorney General David Eby, Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth is at 1245. I think NW, Joe Bennett will, will be carrying that live. Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, Eby dropped a hint in the House uh, yesterday uh, what to expect, among other things. Uh, we're told there's going to be some creative uh, ideas that some experts have come up with. One of them is going to have dedicated prosecutors to certain files for for chronic offenders um we'll get the details at 1245 but again uh, understanding that we're going to have at least two of the urban mayors who signed that letter that was brought up in the house about their concern about this so-called catch and release program um the mayors of victoria and Kelowna are going to be in attendance of, of this mm-hmm. announcement so it seems that they are buying into whatever is being announced today but uh, is it enough who knows we'll see okay this has come up in the legislature in the past couple of weeks. These chronic offenders who re- repeat offenders over and over again. It's unbelievable. Let's listen to some of the stories that we've heard the last couple of days. So here is Shirley Bond, the interim leader of the Liberal Party. Or actually, she's not the leader anymore. She's not well, the interim she's still leader the anymore. Leader, she's still the leader in the House. She's the opposition leader. Right, until Falcon, until gets, Falcon takes his in. seat there. Okay, here's Shirley Bond in the legislature. Have a listen to this. In Prince George, one individual has generated 262 police files in just the past 12 months. None of the files, not one, has resulted in a charge. Okay, so this is the type of thing that we expect uh, David Eby to address this afternoon. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a magic uh, bullet here. Uh, so surely there talked about a guy in Prince George. There's also a guy in Victoria was brought up in the in the chamber as well. Yeah. Les Lane, our colleague the Times columnist, has a great column in the, in the Times columnist today about a guy who just, in, in his bail hearing, talked about how he wasn't going to follow any bail conditions, <laughs> uh, screaming at the judge, uh, and he was let go. He was let, let out, and then he offended again. But oh. Les points out that actually happened back in 2003. So this is a problem that's been going on for some time, but it seems to have really heightened uh, in, and accelerated in recent months, where what used to be a nuisance problem uh, you know, more than a decade ago now seems to be a more chronic problem in a lot of communities. And the fact that 13 urban mayors signed a letter like this shows it's not just the Metro Vancouver. This is this is a problem in Victoria, yeah. Prince George, Kelowna, Kamloops, uh, and again, not just Metro. Right, and some of the cases are incredible. Here's another one, Liberal MLA Renee Merrifield here. Have a listen to this one. The mayor's letter shows how a single prolific offender can have hundreds of police files. One offender in Kelowna has generated 346 RCMP files and received 29 convictions for theft and assault, but is routinely released with conditions, but subsequently re-offends. Like over 300? It's amazing. What? There's a number of things at play here. One is uh, some court decisions that have set some some sentencing guidelines down and uh, uh. on prosecutors. There's some federal uh, prosecutorial guidelines that have to be followed. But nevertheless, yeah, the stats the Liberals are dropping in the House are kind of jaw-dropping. When you've got someone 300 times have been arrested by the police <laughs> for theft. Uh, and again, mental health is a huge role in this. And the, uh. and the police are somewhat 
helpless at times to deal with this because they don't have the expertise or the training in terms of uh, dealing with mental health. The All-Party Committee on uh, on Reforming the Police Act does delve into that, that there needs to be more coordination across yep. the board when it comes to dealing with mental health uh, situations, but we're a long way from that. Some of David Eby's talking points on this recently has been to point the finger elsewhere, saying, look, these are federal sentencing guidelines. The judges are independent. We don't tell the judges to lock people up. These, the judges make decisions to release people. They're applying federal law in many cases under the criminal code, nothing to do with us. So that has been kind of the strategy to deflect a little bit in the past, but now we see the government sort of responding more directly to this, and I yeah. think that shows you know, the, the public uh, mood on it. Exactly. I think uh, you're seeing today's news conference resulting from the heightened uh, awareness of this deteriorating situation. And again, you know, on Global Every Night, we're showing these random uh, assaults on people, primarily in, yeah. in Vancouver. Um, we had that one by the um, Olympic Village Seawall, where there was like five attacks. Uh, a 15-year-old boy assaulted three pe- people, or charged with assaulting three people. He had other ones in, in one night. Um, a number of unprovoked ass- assaults from complete strangers. And again, mental health likely a big role in this. But uh, again, the province has uh, some jurisdiction over that as well. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. James in White Rock. Hi, James, go ahead. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Keith, I got a quick question for you. In all of this, at the beginning of the pandemic, the province and the feds went on a tangent of releasing prisoners from jail as a result to keep them safe and keep the population of the jail safe. How many in the province were released? And how many of them are, pr- are prolific offenders? Has anyone yeah, ever a, given a number for how many that were released? No, and I'm not sure how many were prolific offenders. That's a good question. That happened early on in the pandemic. You recall there was worry about uh, outbreaks in prisons and, and uh, uh, correctional facilities, and there was some release of prisoners. That's, uh, that's a good question. I'm going to follow that up because I don't have the number. The interesting thing about this announcement this afternoon, even if they announce some sort of special Crown Prosecutor office to handle these type of chronic offender files, I'm just not completely certain it's going to make a big difference because I think they'll continue to release people. I mean, it's the judges. The judges make the decisions on who gets released, not the Crown. They don't follow necessarily the Crown's yeah. recommendations. The Crown can ask for incarceration. That doesn't mean that's going to happen. It's yeah. up to the judge's discretion. There's also... There, the caller raises a good question about um, just the physical state of correctional facilities in terms of population. It may yeah. not be uh, the ability to house as many people as you want. Keep phoning me on this. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Steve in Richmond. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Good morning. Yeah, I was just. Uh, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around how this is the direct fault of the provincial government when indeed it is the judges who determine who's guilty or not guilty or pending a, a, a trial by jury, and then the sentencing. Um, and unless, of course, we look at uh, the mental health aspect of it, which will increase costs, which and then we talk about the prison aspect of it, which in, again will increase costs which will then give the uh, Falcon and the Fibrils a chance to uh, complain about how much money the provincial government's spending. Thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, that's how politics works, actually. So it's, there's a lot of moving parts in this. I mean, there is federal responsibility. There is the judges. It's not entirely on the Crown's head here what's going on. There are mental health challenges that, again, have not been met. 
adequately, and it's been a, a problem that's been growing and not not shrinking, uh, which was noted again by that all party committee on reforming the police act. So. Hopefully, we're going to see some action when it comes to the mental health situation, but I'm not sure exactly what that's going to translate to. And in terms of an overnight fix, that's just not going to happen. I mean, this is this is probably a long-term strategy. I mean, you've got a federal government here that's shown no willingness to get tough on like sentencing guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of concerns about overrepresentation of Aboriginal people in in prison and being charged with crimes. And I don't think you'll see a, a Trudeau government say, "Bring the hammer down. We want no. longer jail sentences." I don't think that's going to happen. You can't you can't force people into drug treatment against their will. There have been concerns about forcing people into into mental health uh, treatment against their will. It'll so, be interesting to you know. see how far the BC Liberals will push this and what solutions they'll advocate for. So, will it be a a call for being tougher on on offenders? And again, that yeah. sort of hues more to the BC Liberal philosophy and ideology: tough on crime. Not a strong issue necessary for the NDP, and we'll see where the although it's largely sits on that. largely federal responsibility though. So mm-hmm. you, I don't know. You might see well, we should be lobbying the Trudeau government to get tougher yeah. on it. No, it's so. a, it's going to be an interesting. We haven't really had this issue on the provincial political scene before in terms of of law and order. It's been a federal issue. Sharon and Surrey, hi Sharon, go ahead. Hi, I've lived hi. in my condo for less than four years, and in the time that I've been there, we've been broken into several times, and um, the property damage has been immense to the cars. And Mr. Eby and his ICBC concern that is not stating the ripple effect that this has. My car alone, and this is an infinitesimal part of this problem, my car alone is going to cost the public $700 for the damage caused by breaking my windows. And I'm in a fully lit area. This person is a repeat offender. I've got to give a big shout-out to the officer that handled this case she has worked diligently for six months on this case, only to be told it is not going to go to trial. Hmm. Wow, so this is what, someone who has repeatedly broken into your car? Yes, into the cars in the, in the parkade, and the parkade is all locked down. And this happens and apparently nightly. One of the condo developments, I think they said they had over 30 cars in one night. Wow, that's... Um, Thanks, that's, thank you, you know, for that. You, know, you should call Thanks back and tell our give our our producer your contact information, and we'll be in touch with you. Yeah, please do that, Sharon. And okay, so this is coming up this afternoon. We anticipate this is an announcement coming from David Eby, Mike Farmer. You mentioned a couple of key mayors there uh, in place as well. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear Eby giving some credit to the Liberals on this file too, especially uh, particularly Mike, Mike Morris. Morris. Liberal MLA is a former RCMP officer, <laughs> but to Morris, he's mentioned Morris. Yeah, he mentioned Morris and said Morris has some constructive ideas, former RCMP yeah. officer, former solicitor general. Uh, but it was also, I think, to contrast his criticism of Todd Stone, who uh, the two, those two sort of went at it in question period. And it was sort of a withering exchange between the two.